I'm really comfortable with Jesus being the light of the world. But Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Now, there might be a few of you in here thinking, you know what, I am way too old for that. I used to have position and power, maybe I could shine some light, but eh. Some of you might be thinking, I'm way too young for that, I haven't had enough experience, can't really be the light of the world. Most of you in here are probably just thinking, I am too dang tired to put another thing on my to-do list. Oh, one other thing, be the light of the world. Kind of overwhelming, huh? Many of you might feel like there's this great scene, I used to really relate to it when I was the age that many of you are, raising a family, raising two young sons. It's a great scene from a very old movie called Parenthood. Steve Martin is running into, you know, he's, he's got that age, little kids, little league. He's, he's late for taking his kid. He's the coach, of course. He's late to, you know, home from work. He's undoing his tie frantically, you know, shedding his work clothes, trying to, to get ready, telling, yelling at his kid to get all his baseball equipment because he's got a little league game. And his wife says, hey, um, we need to talk, and he's like, hey, I got 10 little boys I gotta lead to last place. <laughs> and he's walking out the door, and she says, do you have to go? And he turns around, and with a glare and an intensity that betrays a completely overworked, fried out person, he says, my whole life is happening. Some of you might feel like that on any given day. So I've got really good news for you. You don't have to be the light of the world. You don't have to put it on your to-do list. Discerning what God is calling us or you individually to do and to be is not about your to-do list. The Christian life is not a have-to. People get really nervous when you say this. They got nervous when Paul said it. Oh, by the way, it's about grace. Grace plus the law, grace plus do this, plus nope, 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 just grace. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to come to worship. You don't have to give. You don't have to help anybody. You don't have to. You're off the hook. But you get to. The Christian life is not a have to. It's a get to. And there's two important things to know about this passage where Jesus looks at people just like you and me and says, you are the light of the world. And one of them is this. In our language, you can be singular or plural. And I want you to be clear about this. What Jesus is saying is, all y'alls are the light of the world. Not just you individually. 
all y'all, together, you get to shine the light of God's love and life into this broken and beautiful world. You see, living the Christian life is not about earning brownie points with God. It's not about shoulds and oughts. It's about the get-tos of responding to the power of the great affection of God expressed towards all of us in Jesus Christ. And when we respond, we are the light of the world. It's not about trying to be something. It's about being what you are. It's about not hiding your light under a bushel. And let me tell you, sometimes there is no bigger bushel than the shoulds and the oughts that we put on ourselves. So it's not just you, it's all y'all. And here's the other thing that I want you to know today. The telltale sign that you are responding to grace, that you are not trying and shooting on yourself, but you are giving of yourself because you know you've been given the great gift of God's love. The telltale sign is joy. Now I want you to think about this, okay? I've just, I just have been thinking about this all week, and here's just a few things I want to remind you about. Luke's gospel begins. This is good news of what? Great joy. The Old Testament is filled with commands. Delight, praise, rejoice. Luke's gospel, in, in a lot of the parables afterwards, Jesus says, do what? Rejoice and celebrate. That's what's going on with the older brother who stays lost at the end of that parable. He cannot come in and rejoice because what? I did everything I should have done. In Matthew, at the end of a lot of the parables about the masters and the servants, my good and faithful servant, enter the joy of your master. Hebrews even tells us that Jesus went to the cross. Why? For the joy set before him. Galatians says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Romans says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. If we're going to figure out what we're called to do and to be, it's going to be because we really pay attention to where joy is calling us. Years ago, Mother Teresa was a young girl trying to discern her calling, and she went to her spiritual director, and he said this to her, and it guided her whole life, profound joy is like a magnet indicating the path of your life. You must follow it even if you enter a way full of difficulties. I'm not talking about cotton candy and unicorns. I'm not talking about Pollyanna happiness. I'm talking about a deep and abiding joy 
that passes the understanding even when situations are difficult. Uh, Yale has a Center for Faith and Culture, and they, they've been working on something they're calling the Joy Project, because they notice that in early centuries, the Christian uh, dialogue, theologians were often reflecting on joy as an aspect of Christian life, and then that kind of died down. And it's not talked about much, they said. And it's resulted, they've noticed, in a kind of a flattening or a graying of the Christian life. And they said people, so they're studying it, and they said that the, the components of joy are not about your circumstances. They're about people who begin to understand what matters most, and they discover ways that they get to contribute to something beyond themselves. So we're going to figure out together, we're going to discern what is God calling us to do and to be. Because we are the light of the world. Together. With all the other broken people who follow Jesus all around the world. One of my favorite stories, and I'll close with this, is from Robert Fulgham. He's most famous for his book, um, Everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. He, uh, as a young man, said he had this strange habit. He would, um, at the end of classes, you know, in college or even high school or, you know, beyond, um, when people would be packing up their stuff and the professor would just perfunctorily say, any other questions? And everybody would get their stuff and leave. He always liked to go, yeah, what's the meaning of life? And get a good laugh. And he still did that, um, even after he was an adult. And he was in Crete at uh, the Center for Human Understanding and Reconciliation. Crete, uh, you may know, was an island that was devastated by the Nazis. Entire villages were massacred. A young man named Alexander Papadaris had grown up there. And when he was a child, he'd witnessed these things. And he'd also witnessed the hatred and the violence rise up in his own people in retaliation. So he started this Center for Human Understanding. And Robert Fulgham went to some seminars there. And Alexander Papadaris was giving the lecture. And at the end, everybody was gathering their things. And Alexander Papadaris said, are there any questions? And Robert Fulgham said, yeah, what's the meaning of life? And everybody chuckled. And then Alexander Papadaris said, I can tell you what it is for me. And everybody sat back down. And he explained that when he was a little boy on this island that was being devastated by war, they were very poor. And he would go out and just find things to play with. And one day, he found a piece of glass that had broken off of a Nazi Germany's uh, motorcycle mirror. And he said he rubbed it on the rocks, and he rounded it. And he pulled it out of his pocket. He said, when I was a little boy, I loved it. Because whenever I was bored, I would take it and I would reflect light into the darkest crevices, inside a hole or behind a rock. 
So I kept it for a long time. But when I became an adult, I kept it for a different reason. I kept it because I see it as a metaphor for the meaning of my life. I am one small fragment of a whole. I cannot fix everything, but I can take my little light and reflect light into the darkest crevices of this world. And so can you, and so can I, and so can we together take our broken lives and be the light of the world. Let your light shine. This is our time in the service for our offering. In our offering, we give to the many missions, the partnerships that Kairos is part of. We give to keep this building, this place where we gather to worship God and to be equipped to go into the world to shine our light. In our offering also, I mean, we could easily just say, hey, everybody do this on the television. But we pass the basket. Most people don't use it. But there's a time here to pause. Because when we offer our gifts, our great